0: On 882 6PR. Inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. My guest in this episode has been privileged enough to see some of the most incredible sights on earth. Many of those happening underwater. A uh, few of us, of course, have been out on whale watching expeditions and, and had a glimpse uh, of a whale when it uh, comes up above the surface. But uh, our guest has been lucky enough to get underwater and up close to some of these magnificent beasts uh, in all parts of the world. He's a published author uh, and an award-winning photographer. And funnily enough, his story starts in Wales. But uh, he now calls Perth home. So let's uh, say hello and welcome uh, to Wade Hughes. Hello, Wade. G'day, Tim. How are you, mate? Yeah, going well, thank you. I just want to ask you firstly, what is it about the whale? I mean, I think most people would agree it is an incredible, majestic creature, but what is it uh, to you that's so special about the whale that makes you want to actually jump into, at times, freezing cold or inhospitable waters uh, to get up close to these incredible animals?
2: Well, they're like any advanced species, Tim. They they live in, in complex social arrangements whether you're talking about um, sperm whales that, that are you know toothed whales that are really um, socially bonded or or the, um, the the more impersonal whales but but still in, incredibly in you know, intense um, and advanced whales like like humpbacks or, or, or fin whales and things like that um, you're engaging with another advanced species.
1: Mm. And, and do, do you sense that when, yeah. you're, when you're underwater with them?
2: Yes, I, I think it takes more than just a couple of casual encounters to actually come to terms with that because you know the first few encounters, it's just impossible not to be overwhelmed by their sheer size, by their yep. presence. Um, by the relative fragility of your own being alongside them, but once once that's worn off a bit, once the novelty of that is worn off a bit, and you start to get uh, familiar enough to be able to uh, to look for things, and we we draw a lot um, of support from the various scientists that we've, you know, real whale experts. Uh, the real scientists who study these things we 've drawn a lot from what they've been able to tell us teachers and what we 've read in their papers and you start to see aspects of behavior amongst the whales themselves that that becomes certainly became for myself and my wife Robin yeah that became just compelling mm. because you realize that you're in an alien environment and you're engaging with or observing advanced species who've been around for case of toothed whales you know 25 30 million years or something. Mm.
1: Why do you do it Wade? Is it for the you know just for the I suppose the aesthetic beauty of a uh, of a photograph are you trying to draw attention to conservation issues? are you collecting research and data for scientific purposes? What, what's your primary reason for you to personally to get in the water and get these photos?
2: well it 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 started to with boredom, you know um <laughs> we uh, Robin and I've been diving for a long time around the world, and um you know only as a hobby yeah. and but at one point we lived in the u s for quite some time, and at one point while we were there, we were sitting wondering what you know where to go dive what what might be different, and whales were starting to come back into public consciousness. And we thought, well, that, that'd that be cool if we could perhaps get in the water and see a whale. So we wrote around the world and only got one response from a whale watching operation in the Azores. So it's quite and quite tricky,
1: midst- is it, to get a permit to actually get into the position that you are able to get into, you know, up yeah, close thanks, and swimming yeah. with them? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's two models, Tim. You know, there's one where you can buy a ticket... To get into a boat and and go swim with a you know, group of other people and a guide, and often an observer, and take your chances and get to see a whale. And we, we actually we actually did that in Tonga, yep. where we went after humpbacks. Um, but we we chartered with two friends. We chartered the the whole boat to ourselves to keep as many people out of the water as we could because. We're not interested in selfies and all that sort of stuff. We're, <laughs> we're, we're trying to do something. And I'm, I'm, not, you know, I'm not decrying that, but I'm, that's not what we do it for. Um, but anyway, come back to your, your, your question. We got this response from the Azores and the, um, the whale-watching outfit there, Frank Worth, at the time on Pico Island in, in the Azores, said if you've got some credentials in terms of photography and ability to get published in natural history field... Then we can help you apply for a, a permit. And fortunately, I'd done a bit of work with natural history, you know, over the years, and had some work published. And I'd I'd always been chipping away at, at being a writer in my spare time, and I'd been a photojournalist for a while. Mm. So um, we had some track, you know, track record that we can point to, and and that got us our first permit. And we were extraordinarily fortunate that we, you know, know nothing about. Sperm whales. Um, we bumped into some wonderful encounters, and that's that. Both you know helped pique our interest and open the door to get more permits going going yeah. forward. So.
1: There's a a beautiful symmetry to your experiences. I know in the Azores, um, you know the 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 tipping point being a health issue, which I'll ask you about a little bit later. Um, sure. But in terms of your Your photographs, and you know, worth um, uh, noting that you are now a published author. You you and uh, Robin, looking for whales, is your uh, your highly commended uh, effort that's now on the bookshelves. But looking at uh, your website as well, uh, look, I'm no critic of of art or photographs by any means, but um, they they strike me as being quite moody photographs. You know, when you when you're underwater, you know, you often see these um, pictures of you know of nature and whales and and all sorts of things um, uh, in a kind of a, a, a bright and almost they're almost sort of done for tourism campaign. You know they're very sort of bright and open and blue, magnificent blue, bright colours and expansive colours. Yours, a lot of yours are they're quite dark and moody pictures, aren't they?
2: Interesting you'd say that. I mean that's yeah, it's it's true. Um, I've been diving since I was twelve. I did my first scuba dive when I was twelve. I didn't do the next one until I was eighteen. But I've I've always um you know hypnotized by the beauty and the and the power of the sea and the and, and life in it. But I see it not as a um, not as a picture postcard experience. It's part of the attention that the sea commands is, is because it's still wild. Yeah. And without Without um, putting too fine a point, it's still dangerous. Yeah, you know, it's like walking across the savannah in Africa, getting out of the, the Land Rover and going for a stroll to see if you can get up close to an elephant or something. You know, you you know you're being watched by all sorts of things from from uh, maybe you know, little snakes to big big cats. Who knows? But you know, there's that sense of wildness about the sea that unless you're prepared to go and get out of the, the jeep in Africa, it's very difficult mm. to immerse yourself in nature as nature intended it, mm. except in the sea. Because once you get in the water you know, um, unprotected, all your human privilege goes away and you become as, as close to being part of nature as it's possible to get. And that, that brings benefits and, and rewards, but also, you know, a little bit of edginess, a bit, a little of, bit of risk. You know, I think think yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I don't want to dwell on the danger bit, but it's because it's there, I think, that's why you're getting yeah. the sea. We're, you know, Werner Herzog, celebrated German writer, yeah. adventurer, photographer, um... He, he made the point, What you know, what, what would be the point of having an ocean without monsters in it? It would be like, it would be like sleep, with, sleep without dreams, you
1: know? <laughs> Very good. Uh, and as gentle as they appear to, uh, you know, to, to someone who knows <laughs> relatively little about whales, um, I'm sure just by virtue of their sheer size, there are there, there is an inherent danger in getting into the water with them. And, and look, as you said, I don't want to dwell on the the danger, but... You are up close to these uh, incredible animals. Do they know you're there, and do you ever feel, oh, I could be in a bit of strife here? You know, particularly if you've got a, 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 a mother and a and a newborn, you know, in a very protective relationship there, right next to you.
2: Yeah, they're they're certainly not like bears. You know, if if you get between Mama Bear and her cubs, it's it's good night nurse, probably. Yeah. Um, it's it, it it appears to be different with whales and I think you know there there is some inherent risk in their size. You know, a, a playful slap with a with a flipper or a fluke yeah. would would put a dent in the fender that can't be polished out, you know. Yeah. It's they they are big but they're amazingly self aware. Yeah. And so they do know you're, you're there. Yes, we yep. we I've I've learned to make sure that they know we're there. They generally do, and yeah. surprisingly so. Yeah. But I've surprised one female sperm whale, and we'll never do that again. Um, <laughs> I felt that I disrespected it, but I also felt very lucky, and and then very grateful that the the, uh, the tail slap that she did very close to me. Um, she appears. Robert has simultaneous images from from a distance um, yeah. from the boat because
1: she takes images it appears, from on board the the nearby. Boat, right? While, while you're underwater, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. We um, we, we we split the labour because um, we realised Robin was doing. You know, she's swum with every species of whale I've swum with, with the exception of of orca, um, because it was just too cold. But um, we decided that we'd split the labour yeah. because we were missing contextual material that can be seen from the boat um, that you can't see in the limited visibility of underwater and, and and in the heat of the moment sometimes yeah. underwater where there's lots of whales engaging with whales and you're trying to get an understanding of what's going on and there's other things happening beyond your mm. pen that uh, can be seen from the boat. So mm. that's what we what we found really works for us. Robin knocks off some terrific um, stuff from the boat and um, I can compliment that with some of the stuff I get underwater. Yeah.
1: Just before we uh, we get, have to go to a break, Wade, tell me what happened with that whale when you startled it and it gave you a little bit of a warning.
2: Well, I got in the water alongside um, a group of whales, sperm whales, they were they were almost stationary and there were, I I can't remember if it was 5 or 6, but I, I I took a photograph from the hip just to get the um, the, the arrangement of the whales captured and I was right behind a, the, the largest female in the group and when I when I squeezed off my camera, the sound startled her and she did a tail slap and I was directly behind the flukes but her flukes were hanging down in the water but in a millisecond, they, she had an up and bash on the, on the surface mm. and very close to, to me and I thought, well, I'll never do that again mm. but when I, when I looked at Robin's photographs, my photograph shows I'm directly behind the flukes. Robin's photographs show that she actually turned her, her flukes away from me when she did that. So, um, so very I much took that a warning. Mean, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that. Without I being it to hostile. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she'd been distracted by something else and didn't know I was there. The camera <laughs> startled her. So. Yeah. yeah.
1: Very good. Amazing. Uh, we need to take a, a break. Wade Hughes is our special guest. This is
0: inspiring stories. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6 BR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Celebrated underwater photographer, Wade Hughes, is our special guest. Uh, Wade, tell me about the first time you, you actually got into the water and took a photo
2: of a whale. Well, that was back in, uh, I think, 1996. Three tim um robin and i were with two friends um sailing off the coast of tonga yep. on a in a spanking breeze and white caps everywhere and suddenly these two humpbacks just appeared near the yacht and i had my mask and snorkel in the um, in the cockpit and i had my camera in its housing in the cockpit because we we were, we were going to go snorkeling once we found a little reef or something anyway i just jumped over the side and and to try and be with these two animals and realize that as soon as I did that, that might not have been the smartest thing because it's probably 15 knot breeze and the yacht's full sail and disappears very quickly. <laughs> and I wasn't sure that the other people on board knew exactly how best to tack down to uh, to back where I jumped in the water. So yeah. I was thinking that might not have been a good idea, but I got two up close encounters with, uh, with a pair of young humpbacks I bashed off a you know, pretty grainy frame. I was shooting mm. film in those days, so bashed off a pretty grainy as fr- frame as they left. But it was worth the experience. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, so that's so that was my first time.
1: That's nineteen ninety three. Were you taking photos in a serious way before that?
2: I was. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I had a real job. Yeah. Um, in in those days, and diving in photography. What's once I'd realised that photojournalism in my younger days, you know, although I, f- I found it really stimulating and interesting, and I really wanted to hone both journalistic skills and, and photographic skills, you know, I realised, especially when Rob and I got together, and you know that was going to be a lifelong engagement, I realised that that wasn't really a path to stability. So I went and got myself a job, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I maintained my interest in photographs that can evoke some response in, yep. in the viewer, and and in and in writing. So, and you know we dived every holiday that we could that we could take around the world and dived in places like Egypt and Ireland and and uh, the South Pacific and the Caribbean and things like that. Yeah, um, Hawaii. But um, we never did it. Yeah, yeah, really, really, um, as as a soul mm. activity.
1: So, so, what were you principally taking photos of prior to that? You mentioned you know something that's compelling and tells a story, but um, pictures of nature or pictures of just you know humanity and all of its uh, various shades, uh, buildings, mountains. What was it? What was it that captured yeah, your ma- imagination then?
2: Well, mainly you know animals and plants and 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 people. Yeah, and and light. I mean, that's photography is a fascination with light, really, and and that's that's what I found fascinating. And I when diving in different parts of the world, I I, I just found being underwater to to add a real third dimension to mm. travel. You know, wherever I could get in the water, I would I would get in the water just be there and and just to experience that other planet that is just off the beach. You know, really.
1: Yeah. I've got to ask you too. Obviously, Perth is your home, uh, and you've talked about all of these uh, incredible places in in all parts of the world. But um, do you actually spend much time in the waters here off WA? We have, you know,
2: there's a bit of whale behavior going on out there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there is. Yeah, and you know, I've been with um, with friends and, uh, and and scientists up in Exmouth Gulf in the boat. Yep. Um, but couple of reasons we you know we've never inquired really what it's um you know what it would take to get in the water here i i i I tend to think that um if you're looking at humpbacks the, the coast of West Australia is probably not the best place to try and swim them because they're traveling Yep. and you know they're not um, they're not hanging around mm. If you go out to the Bramer Canyon, we've been out there for a, a couple of days um looking at orca and i I suspect. When the orca are hunting, it's probably not the best time to get in the water. Um, that's uh, that's a given because you get a very large feeding activity going on with all sorts of yeah. predatory animals out there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we've dived a lot, of course, over the years at, at Rottnest and in yeah. the Sound down here and um, the north, up in the northwest. Yeah. Um. But we do most of our diving these days um, in other places. Yeah.
1: Uh, places like the Azores, just for for those who aren't familiar, we describe the Azores. I know they're part of Portugal, but they're quite removed from the the mainland of Portugal, aren't they? They're sort of just a you know a little island couple, cluster of islands dot, dotted in the uh, North Atlantic. There aren't they?
2: Yeah, oh, they are just brilliant. So uh, they're, they're volcanic, and they're on the same latitude as as Lisbon and New York. So you'd expect them to be you know, freezing cold in in um, winter and you know, moderately warm in summer. In fact, that because they're in the Atlantic, they they benefit from being surrounded by ocean. The the climate is very mild. You get very strong winds there in winter. We've never we've never sat out a, a North Atlantic gale there, but um, they do get massive gales. Yeah. But in summer, uh, it's it's green and soft and and mountainous and. <laughs> Yeah. I, I can hear the eyes rolling in the back of your head there.
1: <laughs> Just the very thought of it. Um, your, your attachment to the Azores, though, obviously, you know, a fascination uh, with whales led you there and your ability to get a permit to go and, and photograph whales up close there, uh, I imagine, was a big part of um, of, of getting you there and, and you falling in love with the place uh, going back some years. But tell me what happened. I think you were 57 uh, for memory, and, and all of a sudden your own personal health came into sharp focus.
2: Yeah, it, it was um, 2005. We'd been to the Azores and had our first experience there. And one of the last encounters that we uh, we had on that trip was a group of three whales, young calf, an adolescent and an adult, and they, they turned over and dived. And I... I went to dive down with them to see how far I could go and just follow them down as they went. We think it was a training dive they were taking the calf down. And I was just so fascinated following these things down. Keep in mind we're in water that's probably 1,000 metres deep or you know, a little bit more, mm. and, and they're heading to the bottom. So no way I could follow them all that way, but I went as far as I could. And when I couldn't go any further, just free diving, I let them go and took one last... Look at them and took one last frame, and then turn to come to the surface. And it's always you always get a greater perception of depth when you're down looking up than you do when you're up looking down. Mm. And I was a bit shocked at how far I'd come down. I think, oh crikey, that's a bit further than I thought I could get. <laughs> to, you know, down at my age, and now I've got to get back up <laughs> without um, getting the bends. <laughs> well, it's 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 very difficult to get the bends holding your breath, but you yep. can certainly get, you can get short of blackout. You know, yep. so i by not having enough air in your lungs So, anyway and you can drown you know so um, I just came back to the surface and I felt elevated I just didn't feel any anxieties I you know yeah. reached this surface and then we came back from so I was pumped we came back from that trip and within a week I've been diagnosed with um, aggressive prostate cancer wow and So I went through, you know, whenever anybody gets that kind of diagnosis, there's there's highs and lows, you know? Yeah. And in the highs, I'd be sitting in New York. We're living in New York at the time. um, I'd be sitting there thinking, well, the reason that was such a wonderful ascent was that that's going to be my last. Yeah. And I thought, what a wonderful way in the highs, I think what a wonderful way to finish all these years of diving and adventure Mm. and experience. And then in the in the blackness of the you know the downs, I would think, oh shit, that was my last last um ascent. I'm I'm never going diving again. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I went through the surgery, all the self pity, all that sort of stuff. And a friend came around with a newborn infant and uh, I was photographed holding it. I was still convalescing. And they sent me the photograph and I was shocked. There was an old frail man. Holding this baby, and I, you know, the surgery had taken so much out of me, and the whole yep. Yep. ups and downs. And I decided then that that wasn't how how I wanted to be perceived by myself, little alone mm. like anybody else. And so we decided that, with Robin's full support, that the best way to convince me that that wasn't my last ascent was to go back to the Azores and get back in the water in the very same place I last got out of it. Yeah. And that's when the sperm whale hook really got set yep. in me because I felt I even more of a connection I, to them. Mm. Well, yeah, and and this is all me projecting onto them. I yep. don't I don't think, you know, but I imagined those whales calling me back. Yeah, and that was part of my my strategy for getting myself motivated and fit enough to be able to go back in. And I just just imagined those whales calling me back. So yep. yeah, I've I've got affection for them. I'm, I'm okay. sure they don't have any for me at all.
1: But... <laughs> oh, they're happy to have you back, I'm sure, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, how long was it then between, you know, that, that last dive as a 57-year-old pre-diagnosis and then getting back in the water with them again?
2: Um, it was about 11 months.
1: Right, okay. So a, a, yeah. a fairly short amount of time, you know, given what you were going through.
2: Well, I'm uh, with Robin, I made the decision to to have radical surgery um quite quickly. And yep. that um so I spent some time in the in the gym getting myself as fit as I could before yep. I went in for that surgery. But uh, yeah, it happened reasonably quickly. Yeah. I probably got in the water too soon after surgery. Yeah. Still still was sore, yeah. You know, it almost sounds you know, like inside. it was part of
1: your recovery, part of your therapy in a sense.
2: It was yeah. totally, yeah, absolutely. Having having a picture ahead of myself as to as to what I wanted to yeah. feel about myself, with, mm. that was very firmly embedded and, in it.
1: And if you could describe just before we have to get to another break, Wade, you, you talked about that sort of calm sense of uh, elation almost as you were uh, coming up to the surface again, pre diagnosis. What about when you got back in the water and uh, and went on the on the descent? Um, do you remember that? emotion that you felt in that moment
2: um i i do i actually had tears in my eyes because yeah. we we found some whales i went over the side robin as she always does handed me my camera but she held on to it yeah and which made me lock eyes with her and that gaze i just you know mm. it was one of the most emotional moments in my life and i, I can imagine I, yeah then i she let let it go and i turn and swam off yeah hopefully to get in the path of these two whales yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you've
1: mentioned robin a number of times your beloved robin um who's been by your side for all of these uh, adventures um but i know there's a a bit of a story about how you guys met as well uh so we'll get into that after we take a break wade okay This, this is inspiring stories wade hughes underwater photographer is our special guest we'll be back with more in a moment
0: You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories, uh, this one brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Uh, The story of uh, celebrated underwater photographer, uh, Wade Hughes, and if you're interested in having a look at some of his work, of course, looking for Wales uh, is his book, which is out now. You can also go to uh, Wade and Robin Hughes' uh, their website. Uh, if you just look for Wade Hughes photography, you can uh, find your way there pretty easily. Uh, but Wade, tell me about your uh, your early days. Funnily enough, uh, in the country, uh, Wales, um, as a youngster, you you were old enough uh, when you left there that you still have some. I imagine quite uh, quite well defined memories of the place.
2: Oh, clearly, yeah, clearly. So
1: um, you were about nine, correct, when you moved out. Right. Here? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah it would, it would, you know, I was ten the year we arrived, I think. But right. yeah, it was nine when we left. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, life in Wales for us was was a little bit grim. Um, I came out of a house that that had some. Quite a lot of domestic violence, and most of it um, inspired by my mother, right. in fact. Um, but uh, you know, it was a family that struggled. A lot. I yeah. had a sister um, who died just recently, but um, my parents, at least, yeah, they, were, they they struggled, and mm. and it was a turbulent household. But they at least had the the wherewithal, the the uh, foresight and the guts to, in their mid-40s, decide that Wales was not the place they wanted to see their kids yep. uh, develop and you know, grow up. Yep. And so they became 10-pound poms yep. and hauled us off to Australia. And we settled, in, uh, first of all, in South Australia. Mm. And, you know, I think that was probably the the best, decision they could have made for their, their kids put put aside all the other stuff that went on yeah um, that's all water under the bridge now, but that was the best decision they could have made for their kids and I think it certainly yeah, it certainly paid off yeah so yeah we end up in South Australia, um, we came out on the same boat as Jimmy Barnes at a different time yeah from uh, from Barnsley. but if anybody's read his uh, his excellent book working class Boy. Um he describes very well the kind of area that we were originally destined for. That was yeah. the satellite city of Elizabeth, but which um, is uh, the house that was just north of Adelaide, right? Yeah, it's on the yeah. it's on the uh, I think it's the Salisbury Plains, mm. which is north I think they're called the Salisbury Plains, north of Adelaide. It's a flat sea environment. Um because the house we've been Allocated, wasn't ready there. Um, the Housing Commission in South Australia offered my parents um, a house south of Adelaide. And we were amongst the first 10 families, migrant families, to move into the new Housing Commission um, development at Christie's Beach. Right. And, you know, as, as your sponsor's catch line says, if the little things you know, mm. mean everything, Yeah. that simple... Simple decision to move south rather than north really put me on a different path. I, yeah. I think I probably would have ended up in jail if I'd <laughs> if I'd gone to you know, you might have gone, ended up in cold the... chisel as <laughs> well. Well that, well, that would have been that would have been good. That would have been fantastic. Um, but I think jail was probably more like, more, likely <laughs> more likely because like of but... all the stuff that goes on up there, the kind of rebelliousness that I, you yeah. know, I had as a as a young man. But at Christie's Beach, there was two things. There was my lifelong friend, Ron Moon, and there was the sea. Yeah. And we connected, the three of us, and, you know, life took a different turn.
1: Yeah. Going from, you know, post-war Wales where, you know, factories were closing, a lot of people unemployed and, and doing it tough, landing, you know, after a long boat journey in this Tiny little village on the on the coast of South Australia. How long did it take you to adjust to that?
2: Once I was out of the refugee camp that was euphemistically called a migrant hostel, yeah, um, and we got down to Christie's Beach. I, it was paradise. I right. mean, there's no yeah, there, there's no comparison. Mm. I you know I sort of I I can recall walking in woods, forests in Wales, alongside you know creeks in, in green mm. pastures that were never ever other, anything other than green or you know, white if they're covered in snow. Yeah. So you know, the 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 harder Mediterranean climate of South Australia was certainly something different. But um oh, you know, the clear air, the space the warmth. The, yeah. Warmth, the freedom. It was it was truly for yeah. a kid it was just a wonderful, yeah. wonderful yeah. And my parents, you know, I think, looking back, I, I think they became less angry with themselves and with yep. each other. Yep. And I think part of that was because they could both get work. Um, they still struggled. with I can still remember getting a flogging for letting the guy that told me he'd come to get the lawn mower to repair it, they actually come to repossess it. Um and I just showed him where it was because my parents were out, mm. um, so I got a flogging for that. But mm. so I think they still struggled, you know, financially, but yep. not as much as they were in the UK. And they certainly settled a lot. Yeah.
1: And what was it then that uh, attracted you to the West, Wade?
2: C- uh, Californian lifestyle, yeah, girls, you know, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> the um,
1: usuals. <laughs>
2: yeah, all the usual. Um, spe- Spearfishing was was the first major draw card for me. I came across here in nineteen sixty seven to compete in the Australian Spearfishing Championship. Right. Okay. And with Ron Moon, my good friend. Still yep. still is. Um, and we just fell in love with the place, you know, clear clear blue water, big fish. Um, open ocean. You know, we'd grown up on the coast of a Gulf. Yeah. And we used to go to the Southern Ocean to, you know, the southern ends of the Gulfs in South Australia um, to get the same sort of conditions you get here in, in the yep. West but it was the the Californian lifestyle laid on top of that 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 really sort of attracted me and I came back in um, permanently in 1970 yeah 1970 I think yep. and um, went diving and met my first wife yep. that was Robin Yep. Um, here in Been together pretty well ever
1: since. And there's a a great story uh, that goes with that as well, Wade, but I'll get you to tell us uh, that story after the break if you don't mind. (laughs) Okay. This is Inspiring Stories. Wade Hughes is our special guest. We'll be back with more in a moment.
0: You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6 BR, Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is Wade Hughes, who's been lucky enough uh, to get underwater and get some absolutely astonishing photos uh, up close uh, of the most magnificent creatures of the sea. Uh, the biggest mammal on the planet, so that is the whale, of course. Uh, but on planet Earth, on solid dry land, uh, Wade, you've also had a, a pretty extraordinary adventure uh, with Robin, the lady who's been by your side now for uh, well over forty years. Tell us how you met. I, as I understand, you know you you'd moved over to Perth, uh, and then well, I'll let you tell us. How did you and Robin meet and become lifelong partners? And 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 don't just give us the G-rated version, Wade. Come on, give us the give us the proper version. <laughs>
2: well yeah oh good so, <laughs> so, you know young young men you know not not um widely regarded for their for their uh, foresight and and, uh, and and sensible behavior um yeah well i was i i, I came to western australia as a war classer yep and i you know the lights of Perth very quickly drew me out of the any his remaining desire I had to spend my life working in the bush, although I revere that time. But the, as I said, the lights of Perth and all the attractions that 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 implies. So I quit my wool classing job and I became a car salesman. Right. Which was another, you know, amazing step in the right direction mm. because I met some wonderful people there, some that I know to this day, and you know who became mentors and i learned so much about me and about business and and acceptable social behavior although some some of my friends might might dispute that um but anyway in the course of that i you know, i i had a girlfriend pretty serious girlfriend and then i had to go to the bank to see if i could raise if if i could help a client who wanted to buy a car from me raise a loan and you know his his parole officer assured me he was a good risk, and but the finance company didn't have that same view. So I thought, if I went and made some personal representations to the finance company, I might be able to get this guy over the line because mm. payday was coming up, and you only get paid for what you sell. So anyway, I walked into the um, in, into the bank and spoke, wearing a, wearing a a, um, a suit, of course, and and driving a brand new car, which always impresses, you know, Young ladies at first sight, even <laughs> though she didn't know, it, she didn't know at that stage, she didn't own it. Um, but anyway, the 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 assistant to the bank manager came, and uh, I forgot why I was going to the bank at that point. She was just entrancing, yep. and I said, "I'm, I'm here to see Mister Mister whatever his name was," and that woman was Robin. Right, and we. Um, you know, she had all the usual attributes and battered her eyes at me and yeah, you know, it just went from there. And she's been marvellous. It it took because there was another person involved and, and you know, it was a bit a bit turbulent for a while, but all that got resolved and Robin and I got married nineteen seventy eight and uh, have been we were together before that and yep. we've been together through thick and thin. Mm. Um and you know just harking back to my own childhood, there's um, there's never been an ounce of, not a hint of violence in our house yep. at all. It's yep. been the most, there's been ups and downs, every couple hasn't, but it's just been a wonderful relationship. And I, mm. you know, people often talk about you know my passion for whales and I correct them. I go, no, nah, there's only one passion in my life, that's Robin. All these other things are just deeply interesting, but just, Robin is my passion.
1: Yeah. Yep. And she's been, uh, you know, you've been by each other's sides Uh, over all of these years. You've lived uh, in in parts all over the world, you know, in New York, in the Middle East, uh, here in Australia, of course, and and been on your whale-watching adventures as well. Um, You're in your 70s now, Wade. Um, How do you go getting in the water and, and free diving and... And and trying to do the things, I'm sure that you uh, found very easy, you know, twenty odd years ago. How do you go now as a man in your seventies, if you don't mind me asking?
2: No, no, not at all. I I have a a picture in my head of, and it's it's based on, you know, images of Jacques Cousteau in his Mm. later life. Um, I have an image in my head of a of a wrinkly old, wiry old man still. You know, falling out of it and being hauled back into yeah. boats, and keeping myself as fit as I can to be able to do that for as long as I can. So yeah. I swim and I, I try and look after myself. And we, um, it does get harder. There's no doubt about that. But the, um, yeah, you know, the free, my free diving capabilities are not what they used to be. But sure. I'm still able to,
1: yeah,
2: you know, put in a deep six if I need to, uh, occasionally, and I'll I'll continue to. Do that as long as I possibly can. That's, yeah. You know, I think we should all live until we die, and then absolutely, yeah. You know, yeah. If, if you, I, I also like Toby Keith's line and what a song he he wrote after Clint Eastwood said he wouldn't, um, he wouldn't let the old man in, um, in response to a question about why he was still producing films at ninety something or other. Um, he just said, "I won't let the old man in," and I. That to me rings a bell. And, and yep. then Toby Keith wrote a song about that. And the line is, how old would you be if you didn't know your birth date?
1: Mm. Very good.
2: And, yeah, so live until you die. That's my, that's my motto. It's a good motto. Um, and
1: on that, is there a, a grand adventure that you've still got on your list, Wade? Is there is there some holy grail that you haven't quite been able to see or achieve yet in terms of, you know, experiencing... You know whales in their natural habitat.
2: We we've come so close to to photographing the birth of a sperm whale. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I think in our book looking for whales, as far as I know, the photograph we have there of a, of a sperm whale in the act of giving birth, the, the, the flukes of her calf have appeared. I think that is the only photograph of its kind that I've I've ever seen, um, and. I would dearly like to add to our body of work something which takes that another step. We've got brand new casts in the water. We've we've got lots of those sorts of images,
1: and the then this one of is, this is, has been elusive. Yep.
2: Yeah, I think that would be just wonderful yep. to see that. And and then if we can close the cycle with the you know the natural death of a whale, yep. if we find a dead whale at some point, I'll I'll get mm. in the water with that. Well, you need a um, sequel
1: to your uh, magnificent book. Uh, Wade, so you've got to leave something in the tank for the next one.
2: <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. As as the publisher said to me, if you keep going off and getting these pictures, Wade, you'll keep getting, you know, really good pictures, but we'll never get the book out. <laughs> so so stay home and, and yeah. help me with the book. Concentrate so, on That's that. what we did this last year. Yep.
1: And you certainly have Looking for Whales is out. It's published by Halstead Press. Uh, It's been endorsed by Australian Geographic. There are some incredible photos in it. So congratulations on the book and everything else, Wade, and thank you so much for sharing your story with us.
2: Thank you, Tim. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Wade. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another WA inspiring story.
0: This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6 BR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's
2: together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.